something to say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name is Charlie. I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer. You can find links to all my stuff over at ProjectShadow.com. But you're not here to talk about me today. At least I'm not here to talk about me today. You might be. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been so wonderful since I brought the podcast back from hiatus. Because, you know, things got bad and then things got wonderful. And thank you to everybody who's been sharing the podcast and helping us grow over the last couple weeks. It really means a lot to me to see how much you guys are liking it. And I don't know, it just, it warms my heart. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Today's topic, if you remember, I gave you homework last week, and that is if you haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender, to watch Avatar The Last Airbender. It's not that expensive to, to buy. It's a very good show. It's one of the best fantasy series ever made for television. And I, I will stand by that. Because we're going to be doing some deep dives. And today's episode will be about Aang, the Avatar, the titular Last Airbender. So, if you are averse to spoilers and... For some reason, you haven't done your homework yet and watched this awesome, amazing show. You've been warned. <laughs> Remember, I warned you. I'm going to be doing lots of spoilers. And if you're interested in the really bad M. Night Shyamalan movie, which you shouldn't be interested in at all, I, there will, might be spoilers for that because it's not really... It doesn't really... We talked about this before. It's not really connected at all to the original story, so... Mm. But I want to talk today about Aang, the Avatar. So, if you don't want any spoilers, hopefully you're gone, because from now on, there shall be spoilers. And I was talking to Brian about this a little bit earlier, and I kind of got off on this topic of what was wrong with the last Airbender movie. And, yeah. Okay, so, for framework, if you'd like more homework, there's a wonderful episode of Folding Ideas that deals with The Last Hairbender and all of its many, many problems. Like, a lot of people have done episodes. This particular discussion was actually inspired by the Folding Ideas episode of about The Last Hairbender, which I'll link in the show notes for you. You don't have to watch it to understand what I'm saying. I'm not really doing commentary on it. This isn't really like the uh, Studio Ghibli versus Pixar thing. It's just that's... I, I wanted to give credit to, you know, where credit is due. But I got to thinking while I was watching that, is there a decent way to actually turn a television series into a movie? And especially a television series like this. Can you turn Avatar The Last Airbender into a decent movie? And I think the answer is yes. And that's how I want to talk about what, what I want to talk about in this episode while doing a deep dive into the character of Aang. Aang 
is one of, and this is going to be stupid because he's one of the main protagonists of the series, but he's one of the most interesting characters in the story. And I say that because he really wasn't in the movie and his type of character honestly is usually the least interesting character in a story of this type. Once you have a chosen one in a story, they are generally there either as a cipher for the audience because their status as a chosen one has only recently been determined. And so they're having to learn the ropes and we as the audience learn the ropes with them, which to a certain degree happens with Aang, but they often don't have a lot of personality. They may have a love interest, but, you know, I think this is where people get lost when they watch, for example, the Star Wars prequels. Anakin Skywalker is not the main character of those stories. Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Now, you may be saying, but we see the story through Anakin's point of view. Yes, we do see them from his point of view, but the story is as much how Obi-Wan became the grizzled old man in the jungle and waste that we encounter in episode four, as it is how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. And it's almost more important that we understand the journey that Obi-Wan goes through because it affects how he and later Yoda teaches the force to Luke. Well, that can be an entire episode on its own if you want to do a deep dive into Star Wars for our next series, which might happen because I love me some Star Wars. But having said that, <laughs> this type of character, I mean, think about it. Luke Skywalker isn't all that interesting. He's a chosen one. He's obviously a chosen one. He's the son of the great savior who ended up being the Dark Lord of the Sith, and he's the one that can save everybody. And through three successive films, we see him be the one who saves everybody. And that's what he do. That is the point of Luke Skywalker. And with the exception, I think, this is where I get into a lot of uh, debates with other, with fellow Star Wars fans, with the exception of um, Return of the Jedi, I don't think he has a really solid character arc. He's more just the guy who's there to explain to us how magic works, how the war works, how light and darkness work, but their window dressing to him doing his actions more or less. And we don't really get a sense of Luke as a person. In fact, we really have three phases of Luke Skywalker. We have the farm boy who can kind of fly a plane. We have the ace pilot who's able to run off on his own and not be hunted down for going AWOL from the resistance for reasons. And <laughs> cause think about it. He's missing through almost all of Empire Strikes Back because he gets lost out in the snow and then he runs off to Dagobah. And so, and you know, Han's the only one that's like, I'll find him because reasons, you know, <laughs> and I'm not trying to denigrate these movies. I really, really love these movies, but by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, he's now Jedi Luke. And so we really get a phase of him in each movie. And honestly, the farm boy at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, of, of A New Hope, 
is the guy who would do the Death Star Trench run at the end. We don't really see a change in his character. We do for Han Solo, who really doesn't think that, you know, he should stick his neck out for anybody who ends up doing that. We also see an arc for Princess Leia, who thinks these guys are a bunch of idiots who can't do anything right, who in the end literally gives everyone but Chewbacca a medal because while they actually did do something right, you know, so we get character arcs for them. We don't actually see a lot of change in Luke's character through the story. He is who he is at the beginning and at the end. And the only thing that really changes is his profession. He's no longer a farm boy. He's a member of the resistance. He's a member of the rebellion. Right? And this is how this kind of goes with these types of stories. And I could go through through Wizard's First Rule, through, you know, the King Arthur stories. To pick your, you know, chosen one hero story. We don't actually see a lot of change in a lot of these characters. What we see is how they affect the world and the characters around them. We get to see that in The Last Airbender, in Avatar The Last Airbender as well. But what's fascinating about it is how much interest is given to the character of Aang and his change. And this is where they messed up in the movie. See, if you're going to tell a concise story, which a movie is, it has to have a beginning, middle, and end. It has to have an arc that makes sense for the story that you're trying to tell. If you're not producing a story that has some semblance of connective tissue, right? Then you wonder why you're there. And that's what, how we got the movie that we did. They saw it as an episodic television series and kind of clipped a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, and I don't know, just randomly put it together in a way that I guess made sense to M. Night Shyamalan, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But what you would actually want to do is find what is the heart of season one. And the heart of season one is Aang. Aang is the most important character in season one, just as I would say um, Zuko is for season two. Zuko's character arc in season two is phenomenal. And of course, it gets even better in season three, where we bring these two back together and they become the co-heroes of the story. Not that Aang isn't a hero in season two, but... And has his own issues to deal with in season two. Um, we'll get to that later. But the actual impact of season one, book one, Water, is Eng doesn't want to be the Avatar. That's how he ended up in the ice. He found out he was the Avatar. He found out that they were going to send him away from Gyatso and the people that he loved. And instead of letting them do that to him he ran away in the midst of running away he hits the storm the storm knocks him and Alpa out of the air he goes into the avatar state and creates the magic bubble that freezes under the water that preserves him and Appa for a hundred years as the world changes around them before he wakes up Aang does not want to be the avatar Aang is a 10 year old child who wants to be a 10-year-old child. Now, his character arc through the series, through season one, is him accepting that he is the Avatar. Okay? 
the first time we see him enter the Avatar state, like really enter the Avatar state in, se- in season one, is when he finds Gyatso's body. And he goes into a blind rage completely outside of his control and almost accidentally kills Katara and Sokka. Now, this scene is in the movie. Something in in Night Shyamalan's head made him think, oh, this is important. I should include this in the film. And he did. But it loses all of its impact because by this point, we've, even though we're like 20, 30 minutes into the film, we only just learn Aang's name. We learn about his history through kind of a narration thing by Katara. And we don't get a flashback to tell us who Gyatso is until we see Gyatso's dead body. The TV series handles this a lot better. When we get flashbacks earlier, we get to see his relationship with Gyatso, how much Gyatso loved him, and how his love for Gyatso is what caused him to run away. Because the rest of the like board of directors or whatever they were, the council that ruled the airbenders thought that their relationship was too close and he wasn't pushing Aang hard enough to be the airbender and they were going to send him away and that's why he runs away in the first place. The relationship between these two monks is pivotal to how he ended up in the ice. We don't get any of that in the movie. We should have. Because honestly, for episode one, for the first movie, if you're turning this into a film series, Sokka, Katara, and all of the other characters except for Zuko are window dressing. They only need to be there in as much as we know their name and we see how they help Aang. And that may be upsetting to you, but the only character for the sake of a film that has any impact on the story that we're going to tell is Sokka. So we need to build up Aang and Sokka a little bit more, a little bit with Zuko. Everybody else needs to recede into the background and become part of the supporting cast just for the first film. Why? Because we need to see the struggle within Aang. We need to see him not wanting to be the Arab, the, the, Avatar. We need to see him struggling with this, just as we need to see Sokka struggling with his overly masculine bravado that causes him to mess everything up because he feels that he has to be the man of the tribe because his father left him in charge when he and most of the other men in the village went off to fight the Fire Nation. So the struggle between these two characters is linked in a very important way. Sokka cannot let go. He's so tied to his father and his father putting him in charge that he has to be the man and he has to be serious. And that need to be serious makes him the goofy character because he can't let go and just be part of the story the way Aang and Katara can. Right? So you've seen these parallels. We have a third parallel track here with Zuko. Zuko was kicked out of the Fire Nation because he spoke truth to his father, and his father's a giant prick. Honestly, that's all we need to know in the first film. We don't need to know anything else because it establishes his character. He's there hunting the Avatar to get his honor back. So we have three characters who need to discover something. Sokka needs to learn how to be himself. 
and accept who he is, what he's good at, what he's bad at, and what he's capable of doing, and that he's not his father. Aang has to discover that he is the Avatar, and that is important, and it's something that he wants to be. And Zuko needs to discover that the Avatar isn't his real problem. The Fire Nation is. So how does this help us remake the movie? It gives us the emotional core of the first film. It lets us see what the story's about. So we now know the characters we need to highlight. So when Zhao is on screen, we don't need these weird cutscenes of Zhao and the Fire Lord for reasons and all of this other crap, right? Zhao is there to be a contrast to Zuko, who is a good person at heart, who's trying to be a bad guy because that's what the Fire Nation is, and Zhao, who is a bad guy because that's who the Fire Nation is. That's what the Fire Nation has become, right? We need to see that contrast. That's all we need Zhao for with those scenes with Zuko. And we need to show him as the real threat as opposed to Zuko anytime he's with Aang, Katara, or the rest. Okay? So what is the main arc of the first film then? It's... Think about it. Think about everything that happens in season one. Aang... So, so there's a couple scenes that we need. And oddly enough, some are in the movie, some aren't. We need to see him find out that Gyatso's dead and that he is the last airbender because that's the first time we get a sense of his power, right? So that scene, we need to retain that. We need to keep him working with the people on the boat, the f- with the Fire Nation prisoners, the Earthbenders who have been captured by the Fire Nation. And we need to keep this for two reasons. One, it's very important to set up in this film that Aang is able to bring people together when they have no other reason to be together. And that Aang is a symbol of hope that can overcome anything, even the Fire Nation. Because this is what starts teaching Aang that he can be and should be the Avatar. Okay? It's also important because it sets up Toph. Remember, they're out in the series, not in the movie. They're out to sea on a metal boat with no earth around them to bend. Katara teaches them that the coal is earth. She teaches them to see the earth in the coal so they can do coal bending and thus save themselves and break out. This is very important. It sets up Toph in our next season, who learns how to do metal bending, so we need to show that there is a methodology there. But this is one of the things that starts giving Aang hope. I would also argue that we need the scenes at Kyoshi Island. And while I should have addressed those earlier, um, Kyoshi Island is important for several reasons. Again, this is Aang learning that he can bring people together because he is the Avatar. He learns through Kyoshi's example what an Avatar can be and the power of an Avatar. And he makes one of the most important allies for our third film because when he's 
gathering the armies together for the last stand against the Fire Lord in the third movie, we need to show him gathering those forces. And the fact that the Shyamalan film skipped Kyoshi Island completely... <sighs> yeah. Well, I, I guess you could kind of... I'm not even going to talk about the Shyamalan film anymore. I'm just not. Okay. So, these are the main things. And we need to get him to the northern water tribe with enough time that through story we can show Yue and Sokka becoming friends and establish everything up there. So this is, these are the main beats that we need to hit. Now we can take other beats from, from the story. I'm not saying we throw everything else out, but these are the main beats that we need to hit. Because if we don't get the relationship between Sokka and Yue, then her sacrifice at the end of the film doesn't make sense and doesn't work. It also doesn't show us the character growth for Sokka, because Sokka has to learn how to let her go. And that is huge for his character and moves him forward to what we need him to do in the second and third films. Okay? But the biggest thing that has to happen in the movie is... Okay, so the Moon Spirit is killed. Aang has to become one with... The Ocean Spirit. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the Shyamalan movie, but why? Why did he cut this out? Because this is the most important thing that happens in season one. Why? Because it is the first time we see Aang willingly take on the Avatar Spirit. He enters the Avatar state. He joins with the spirit creatures. He does what he's supposed to do. He's the bridge between the spirits and humans, and he is the one that can bring peace, right? He, We see him take on the power of the Avatar. We see him become God Fishman and go through and wreak vengeance on people. We see him willingly take on the character of the Avatar. We see him not only do this willingly, but willfully he, for the first time, controls his actions as the Avatar. They're not just random spurts that save his life or almost kill his friends. He takes control of the Avatar state, which is so important for the events of Season 2 leading into Season 3, which we're apparently going to be making into films as well. Right? Trilogies. Yay! But without these beats of, I don't want to be the Avatar... See, I almost killed you. That's why the Avatar is bad. And I don't want to be him. Oh, I guess Kyoshi did do good things as the Avatar. And I kind of helped these people out. So that's that's a good thing. Oh, we liberated a town from the... A group of people from the Fire Nation. And learned that the mere mention of me is able to inspire hope. And inspire the rebellion that we're eventually going to get to in the story. Maybe I can do this. All the way through to, I am doing this. I am the Avatar. And him actually taking charge and defeating Zhao at the end of the movie. These are the important beats because they show Aang's change as a character. They show Sokka's change as a character. And I'm not saying that we throw Katara out or any of the other characters... We can talk about them in their episodes. I'm focusing mainly on Aang because this is where 
the film lost the plot. Because, yeah, it's important that Aang be a 10-year-old boy. Yes, it's important that we see him in his full personality. But it's important to note that his playfulness is not just, hi, I'm a 10-year-old kid. It's a coping mechanism. You see, the Avatar is serious. The Avatar brings peace between people. The Avatar is this high holy being that reincarnates into every generation, right? So the more he can hold on to his playfulness, the less like the Avatar he is. This is why when we meet him on the show, the first thing he does is go ride the penguin seals. It's the first thing that he does because he's a kid and he wants to have fun and it's the least Avatar thing he could do. Right? Yeah. And that's what we miss in his playfulness. And I'm not saying that he becomes less playful in season two or three, but he does become more serious because he starts learning the stakes. He understands what the Fire Nation is trying to do. And eventually they were willing to kill the moon spirit. That's terrible. That, that really raises the stakes for him and shows him the importance of his task. He's still playful because that's who he is. That's who he is at heart. But it's no longer being playful as a coping mechanism. Remember, there, we get to Kyoshi Island as a way for him to continue running away from being the Avatar. Sokka and Katara are going to take him back to the Southern, Southern Air Temple because that's where he's going. he thinks he's going to re- connect with his friends because he will not accept that they might be dead. Very important plot thread that's completely thrown out of the movie. We take the side trip to Kyoshi Island because it delays him having to deal with his responsibilities. Why do they stop there? Because he wants to ride the giant koi. That's it. That's why he wants to go there. He wants to surf on some big fish. It's a coping mechanism. His silliness is a coping mechanism that he has to learn to get through. If he starts out sour and serious at the beginning and he's sour and serious at the end, it doesn't show a character change. You've missed who Aang is and what the main arc of the first season is. It's Aang finally accepting, I am the Avatar. And gaining control over his faculties as the Avatar and being able to use them to save the entire Northern Water Tribe. That's the thrust of the story. If we're not using elements from the series to show that growth and that character change, we're literally doing what Shyamalan did. And I know I pronounce his name like 20 different ways. It's because, you know, disrespect and all. Um, <laughs> but that's what Shyamalan did in his movie he just randomly picked some things that would probably be kind of visually stunning but didn't understand the importance of them that's why he could move the liberation of the earthbenders to a valley with walls so they always had rock let's see this way you don't have to explain the magic as much yes but if you don't explain the magic there then Toph seems to come out of nowhere because we're setting up another character that's gonna be coming down the road Mm. Yeah. 
And we don't have stakes because if there's no earth around for them to air to earth bend, it makes sense why they've kind of accepted their place in prison. But when Katara shows them that they can still earth bend and liberates them with the avatar, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm going for here? There's a theme running throughout this story and it's Aang's story. Season one is Aang learning to be the avatar. And that's how the movie should have been. Why it wasn't, I don't know. And I'm not even going to go into that. But that's at least in a nutshell how I would have fixed the movie. And that's by, by paying attention to Aang and who he is as a character. And what his actual character arc is. For goodness sakes, if you wanted to really make the show different and more powerful, instead of calling it The Last Airbender like they did, since they weren't going to use the Avatar film, because James Cameron... I'm looking at you, James. Yeah. Then why not call it The Lost Fire Prince? That's an interesting name. And tell the entire story from Zuko's point of view. One, this gives you an interesting way to tell the story. Because now Zuko, who could arguably be said is as important a, a main character as Aang is. Because yes, Aang is necessary for feed defeating Fire Lord, um, Fire Lord Ozai. But if Zuko didn't de defeat Azula, then it just would have continued under Fire Lady Azula or Fire Lord Azula, whichever she would have been called. Yeah. His story is so important to this whole thing. You could have made it a difference that matters. Why do we need the movie? Because we need to focus in on Zuko. Because what would the entire story look like if it was from Zuko's point of view? Where did he get the armor to be the blue spirit? Why did he have an idea about that? Was that something dealing with his mother? You see what I'm saying? You could go into the story from a completely different way. And maybe tell a very interesting story that's not just a rehash of the series. Again, taking elements from the series. But I mean, if you're going to create something completely different, which is what they did, there are actually really interesting ways to get into that. If they wanted to, for some reason, make Katara the main character, which they kind of did in the movie for some reason. And I think that's because she narrates the show. Kind of. I don't know. But tell the story from her point of view and don't have her be a dummy. There are ways that you could do this. And the easiest way would have been just to tell the story of Aang finally becoming comfortable with the fact that he's the Avatar. Hmm, maybe we'll talk about Zuko next week. Or maybe we'll go into Aang in the next couple seasons. If you have a choice, let me know. If, if one of those is more interesting to you. Again, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been helping and supporting me throughout this whole process. I really like doing these episodes, and I hope you like them. Um, if you do, please, if whatever podcatcher, podcasting app you're listening to me on allows you to rate an episode or a series, please do that. That actually helps a lot in finding an audience if you can share this episode to friends of yours who like the last the last airbender 
do that. <laughs> help me build audience because that really helps me out a lot. If you can support the show financially, just look in the show notes. You'll see a support on Anchor link there. You can support at the $1, $1 $5, levels. I have no say over that. That's what they do. That's the built-in. But that support would will help me out a lot to keep these episodes coming and, you know, build the show out. Because there's a lot of things I'd like to do that kind of require some money. Like, I'd like to get a better mic. Like, I like the mic that I have, but I'd like to get a better mic. Make the audio better for y'all. If you'd like to support everything I do, including my fiction, you can go over to Patreon and support me over there. You can find links to that and all of my social media over at projectshadow.com. I just, again, want to say thank you for all of your support. Our audience, my listeners, you guys, have tripled in number per episode over the last two weeks. And that's amazing to me. And thank you. Thank you so much. So keep sharing the episodes that you like. Please continue interacting with me. Oh, and don't forget, if you download the Anchor app, you can actually do one-minute call-ins for the show and leave questions or comments that I can use on future episodes. So don't forget that you can do that. <laughs> All right. I think that's everything. Until next time, thank you for everything that you do and have the fun. <laughs>